Welcome to The Curious Culture. My name is Nick Haralambis and I am your obsessively curious host. And in season two, we are discussing why people start things. If you like this show, please like, subscribe and share anywhere and everywhere. That will help us grow this incredibly curious community. For now, enjoy this episode. I'm Nick Haralambis, your ever curious host. And today I'm with someone who really sparked some thinking in my brain a few weeks ago. His name is Rob Hope. Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Nick. Thanks for the interview the other day. It was pretty cool to actually watch it back and reflect a bit on my journey. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I've actually watched it twice since then and shared it with everyone I can think of. I felt really motivated and inspired, and I'm hoping that we get the same vibes today. I have no doubt. So before we kick off, I don't introduce my guests. Leave that up to you to tell my listeners and viewers who you are in your own words. So why don't you start there? Cool. So I'm Rob Hope, Cape Town born, South African designer, developer, maker, uh, many labels. Um, a lot of people don't know, but I actually really like surfing. Um, and we, I never <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> but um, I, I like to build and dabble online. Um, I'm trying to fill my days up with tasks that motivate me um, and repeat until I die. So I'm a maker online. And uh, I guess that's a, the best way to summarize me. Awesome. And you see, this is why I don't introduce people because, you know, I have a journalism degree and one of my favorite questions to ask people, you know, that stupid question that we all ask, like, so what do you do when you meet someone? I, I don't ask that question. I ask people to tell me about themselves. So I'll meet you and I go, hey, Rob, why don't you tell me about yourself? And then you kind of give them the option to choose how they want to label themselves. And that's kind of why I don't introduce people here. It's because you get to choose. You, a maker, I never would have called you a maker. Yeah, it's interesting. That's sort of a new term uh, people are using. And it covers, you know, quite a broad spectrum of building online. But, um, you know, it's like, think of it of Lego days, you know, I'm making. I'm not sure where I'm going, but I'm in the middle. I'm actually in that journey part. So I'm not, you know, I'm not a seller of side projects. Uh, maybe you're a starter, a builder. But yeah, I, I quite like the term. Mm, yeah, I think, and it fits for certain people. And I think for you, it does, which my listeners and viewers will understand shortly. So Rob, can you remember the first really difficult thing that you started or set your mind to, and it could go as far back as you want or be as, as recent as you, you can imagine? You know, when you talk about the most difficult thing I've probably ever done, it was creating a YouTube show. Like that, that you know, every time someone mentions difficulty, I just immediately go back to the pain of editing, but I want to, I want to take a positive out of this and yeah. say that most things I've done where I've dived in when it was difficult were the most rewarding things I've ever done. You know, when, when you are making online, so to speak, um, you know, you are actually learning, you know, ma making, we throw learning in that, you know, we talked about starting the middle, but there's learning huge. Um, if you stop, if you stop learning, are you really making anymore? I'm not sure. But for the YouTube show, I, I had a side project called One Page Love, still, still have this project. And I monetized it to a point where it was higher than my, the income was higher than my Cape Town expenses. And I got to this really interesting headspace where things were complacent. Um, it wasn't learning as much. 
Um, you know, the whole dream while doing freelance was to eventually take the leap and quit clients. And like, that's all you're focusing on. You're not focusing further than that because it's so difficult, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh my word, can you imagine? So I did that. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the various income streams are, you know, paying for things. And you're like, wow, you know, some days I'm, I'm not working as hard as other days, but things are still fine. So I wasn't challenging myself. Very dangerous place to be. And I remember it was New Year's Day. Uh, 1st of January, 2018. And I said, whoa, you know, this is could be a really interesting year. Um, how I haven't really leveled up considerably, but you know, all the other years, you know, I've been working so much on my side projects and now I kind of got into like a safe zone. You know, so many, so many red flags that I've just mentioned here, all these little, like <laughs> all these indicators. But anyway, so yeah. I, I decided, and I think it was probably spurred on by you know, a whole bunch of um, people I was following at the time, you know, maybe I was reading, but I said, you know what, I am going to start a YouTube show, just collecting, curating, presenting my favorite design and development finds. And I'm going to do it every week. I have no idea how to use a camera. Um, I, I don't know how to edit. I don't know how to do anything, but I'm giving mm. myself one month because I know that I've from past mistakes. I know that if I try and um, perfect this thing too much, is that I'll launch in six months. So I set that deadline. Yeah. And I remember, and I still think back to this day, and I know this is, we've just talked about difficulty, which has sort of got a negative connotation, is that this was mm. by far the best time of my life. I would learn so much about video and editing. I would dive deep in YouTube tutorials. Like, so we're talking like we're on, you know, 5th of January now, we're five days in. And I remember, I'd be so deep going, wow, dude, I'm, I'm really getting somewhere. And then on the 6th of January, at the end of that day, I would think back on the 5th of January and go, dude, you knew fucking nothing yesterday. <laughs> and that is an amazing feeling. So I did yeah. that continuously for, you know, call it like 26 days or so. And because towards the end, I started to, you know, do the pilots and get some feedback. But I promise you, when you're continuously learning and leveling up, there's nothing more motivating and stimulating. So yeah, that was definitely the most difficult thing I've done because I saw this mountain um, ahead of me and it was like, yo, you're talking about doing a YouTube show uh, that's weekly. And by the way, you don't even know uh, how lighting yeah. works. You know, so anyway, so I, I never forget is that I, just a side story on that is that my, I sh I've showed the first person, I think after 26 days, um, one of my good friends, Steve, and he knows about filming and so on. He films underwater, he's a nature photographer. And he looked at the video after 26 days and he said, Rob, wow, what you've accomplished from where you were on the 31st of December last year is absolutely ridiculous, but your audio is so bad, no one is going to watch this. <laughs> and he's like, dude, there's audio bouncing all around this room. It is just, un it's so unpleasant. Wow. And then, so then he lent me his lapel mic and then uh. I re-recorded the whole thing. But obviously I had um, visuals integrated. So that wasn't so bad. I didn't need to re-record those bits, but the presenting bits um, just yes. with me. Anyway, so I re-recorded uh. that. And then the pilots, like when I presented it to everyone, um, it, it was infinitely better than the version I was going to show people. And what's so funny is I look back at it now after producing 30 weeks of shows and I cannot watch the first episode. It's so bad. It's so I bad. I feel for like me. that's the mark of a good show. Yes. And I've done that because I'm building up my YouTube now and doing this podcast. And I've started to go to my favorite YouTubers and go look at their first videos. Yeah. 
do yourself a favor. Go look at Joe Rogan's first video ever. It is a shit show. It's four <laughs> hours of the camera zoomed into his face and he's talking to his friend and the video quality is shit and the audio is terrible. MKBHD, same thing. I saw same it Same thing. All terrible. And I feel like that's the mark, right? I screwed up my first video. Now we can carry on. Totally. You know what? The, the big takeaway there is you you have to sort of set yourself a, a deadline though, because yeah. well, personally is that I'll overthink it to death and I'll be like, Oh my word, this plant moved like four centimeters during the sec, the second shot. Yeah. And like I have to retake <laughs> that. But when you set that deadline, you can't be overthinking things like that because you have to think more macro. Yeah. yeah. Classic. What's, what's interesting for me this year is I don't know why, but the pandemic helped me forget about perfection. Mm. I've been putting off doing video forever, putting off doing a podcast forever. They're both platforms I love. I enjoyed filming myself and getting my voice out there. And I've just avoided it for 20 years. I've been a writer, just a writer. I'm a writer. That's what I am. And for whatever reason, the pandemic clicked in and I was like, screw it. We're locked at home. I may as well film myself. Don't know why. It just broke the barrier for me. So I mean, random information, but I want to just follow up on your YouTube story. Just probe a little bit more. Why was this so difficult? Because it's the same kind of thing that you did when you learned how to design. It's the same kind of thing you learned when you learned how to develop. Why was learning how to do a YouTube channel more difficult than those two things? So the YouTube show itself was about seven, eight minutes an episode. And it would just curate my favorite stuff. So it would be, you know, these are new design tools coming out. These are development um, resources. And then I would try and integrate some music, some some motivational quotes. I actually tried to design the show that I felt was lacking on YouTube. Something I'd love to just, you know, have some cereal in the, on the Monday morning and like just watch a seven minute show with just awesome stuff. Mm. So what was so difficult is that there's so many elements when it comes to this sort of kind of show because you're curating the resources and, you know, you started collecting that. I had to script what I was going to say. Um, then it came to, I'm a solo, solo man here, like operating. So it would be, you know, camera there set up, lighting on all sides. And then you, so you start speaking, you mess up a billion times, you're re-recording, uh, battery runs out. You know, there's just so many, I have this checklist that I only learned about, you know, towards the end of, of all the checks before you start going. So a classic, yeah. a classic example is that I recorded one episode, I think it was like episode 15, where you think you've got, you know, good routine going, but I had the fan going and the fan was blowing into my lapel mic and it was going like the whole episode. So here I am, I'm already, you know, 15 hours into the episode process and there, there I am. Okay, let's play. And you're like, Oh my word, I have to re-record the whole thing again. So anyway, so then there was, you know, the editing. Uh, I'm cutting in graphics. So I have to take screenshots of all the, um, yeah. you know, the things I'm uh, featuring. I sync it with music. Uh, there's there's like a section would come, you know, design news. And then it would have some sort but, of Rob, my graphics. my question is, why is this lesson more difficult than learning how to design? Because designing, it's the same. You're going through the same uh, in one of the other guests with Kyle. I was talking about this phrase I'm using called overcoming awkward. You, yeah. You're overcoming this awkward doing feeling in all of these things. I'm still interested in why this YouTube thing was so difficult. Was it because it was so far out of your skill set, or like what was the, the so, thing that made it more difficult than everything else? Okay, yeah. So probably because I knew I was being super vulnerable, uh, okay. I would put myself out there. 
um, heavy to be judged on YouTube. You know, you know, if you even have a newsletter, we're talking about no YouTube show that's just got curated resources. That's such a low level of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It's like people are going to judge you on your, um, you know, your list and like what you like, but that's mm-hmm. fine. I'm, I'm, I feel like my self-confidence is high, but here I am with all these external factors. Like I'm actually trying to grow a YouTube channel. You know, there was just so much friction to actually get everything out and, you know, uploading the tags, the works. But how is it different than design? I guess with design is an ongoing thing where you're always learning design. You can keep design private. I'm trying to create a Mm. show on YouTube that's trying to grow subscribers up. So there's also a lot of macro thinking while I'm still on a fine tuning level. But yeah, all by myself, just overthinking it to death. You know, I think it's a good point that build in public thing. eh? Yes, exactly that. It's a weird thing when you're in YouTube is people can see and hear and judge you. Whereas designing, developing, it's like, here's my piece of work. It's not me. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm going to talk about the mental health side of things is that, you know, you can spend 40 hours on an episode, you put it out there, people are sharing it. They're like, dude, this is insane. This is my favorite YouTube channel. And you're like, okay, well, you know, I've only got a thousand views on this thing. Yeah. Why do you, why do you think that? And then, then you release the next episode, you put in another 40 hours and it gets like 500 views and you're like, whoa, you know, like, I thought this episode was better than last week. So or it was it, my YouTube channel. It's 50 and a hundred <laughs> views. Yeah. But I promise you the, the biggest takeaway, I know I'm probably going too far ahead in this interview, but the biggest yes. thing I want to say to anyone who is starting something like this, you know, call it a newsletter, call it a, um, a YouTube show. If I had set a limit to a season saying, Hey, I'm creating a YouTube show called yo, and it's going to have 20 episodes that's it or 12 or 50 or whatever knowing an end in sight is something to work with and for me here uh-huh. i am on episode 20 and i'm going wow dude this has got 800 views I, this is a weekly show for the rest of my life i, mm. I don't really know how i'm going to exit this i don't really know <laughs> if 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 i want to continue i don't even know what a break feels like because i, I don't have the yeah. narrative of taking a break for four weeks um, so I never really considered that. So even with a podcast, like I don't have a, a season um, narrative and I feel like, mm. you know, some people do, and I feel it's healthy because you're like, Hey, this is 12 episodes we're doing in 12 yeah. months. And then I'm gonna take a break for six months. Maybe I rebrand it. Maybe I do another podcast, but yeah, send uh, set an end in sight on what you're building. It's really healthy. It's interesting. Cause I have seasons on this podcast yeah. and each season is themed something different for that reason to keep it fresh, to help me be interested. But I've been debating going the other way, just having episode numbers kind of a la Joe Rogan, but yeah, yeah that's, I think that's an interesting point. Okay. I want to go back to when you were younger, when you were a kid. Do the people around you like make you feel like anything was possible, like it was safe to start things or were they kind of apprehensive and there was a lot of trepidation around? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to, the immediate thing I think of is my dad where he always just told me to take risks. He's just like, yeah, not exactly fail, but he just always supported me and encouraged me, you know, like I had, um, I think my inheritance from my grand, which was, wasn't a lot of money was was literally just to go into my degree. I have a degree in information systems through UNISA. And it was like, okay. yeah, so that's covered. Um, you know, what do you want to do? You know, I want to work with computers. And like, this is the conversation we had. He's like, well, you know, if, you, if I cover rent while you're doing the degree, you can still dabble on the side and see where it takes you. You know, that was always wow. the narrative. It wasn't exactly like, dude, you need to make money now. And a lot of it mm. is like, what sort of interests you? 
So there was that sort of um, freedom. And I have to credit that there, were, there wasn't a lot of pressure mm. to make money like fast or, you know, everyone thought I was going to be an accountant. I got 96% for accountancy at school. And, you know, all the, all my friends, parents were like, Rob, when are you going to stop being an accountant? And I, I like numbers and so on, but I like, I, as soon as I tasted that Yahoo GeoCities, I, it, was <laughs> over, it was over, it was done. So yeah, I, ever since I started dabbling online, I knew this was for me. Um, How old I had, were you at that point? Yeah. So I was probably, oh man, it was definitely high school when I first started using Yahoo GeoCities. Um, I created a website for a fishing contest uh, between friends. And then I had a few um, blogs on the side and that's when I sort of learned WordPress and that's kind of led into freelance and so on. But yeah, it's just once I could see that we could probably play online um, while building things, making and being creative, uh, that was it, man. There's no way his accountancy was going to win over this. And look, in fairness, your accountancy probably uh, holds you in good stead. You've got a good <laughs> grip on your basic accounting, but yeah, sure. man. Good lessons. When I when I left Rhodes, I did journalism, politics, philosophy, and I, I went and sat with the dean of students because I'm crapping myself. I'm not going to get a job. And he was like, listen, here's some insight. The number one sought after degree at Rhodes at that time, which is now 15 years ago, give or take, uh, give or take five years, I don't know. My math's not so good. But he said, the number one sought after degree is a master's in philosophy. And he was like, do you know why? I thought, fuck, I have no idea. He said, because you can teach anyone how to do accounting. You cannot teach them how to think literally. Whoa. I was like, whoa, that's deep. And it's wow. true. There are skills you can teach people, but teaching them to think is not the job of a job. Your career, your, your employer isn't there to teach you how to think. They're there to give you the framework. It, people who can think outside of the box are actually the ones that are unique. And now with AI and all this development in tech, this is what we're hearing is human thought is the thing that is not going to be commoditized. So it's interesting. I, your route to choose something creative over something more pragmatic makes sense to me. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I hear accounting recur a few times in online maker stories. And and there's nothing wrong. Like sometimes you just want to set salary every month and, yeah. you know, you, or you have your own accounting firm. That's fine. But it's like some people like that safety. Um, yeah. Maybe I like, like steering towards the darkness a little bit. Um, it's exciting. Honestly, nothing's a sure thing online as we learned this year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, so, and I, I do, I do give people credit when they've got, you know, the, the wife, the dog, the, the child, and they've got the set salary every month. There's like a lot that's attractive about that. You know, when we having our dips online, when our mental space is in, in, in the dark place, you're like, Fuck, mm -hmm. I could have done that. But then you just have these like <laughs> radical highs and wins and we start chatting <laughs> to dudes making stuff. And it's actually so exciting. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't met a maker or entrepreneur or a not employed career person who hasn't thought to themselves, okay, this is the year, I'm just going to get a salary, I want someone else to worry about all this admin, I just want to get paid to do a job. But I mean, I've, I've done it. This was the year for me, I thought to myself, lockdowns here, maybe I just get a job, like I don't need the pressure. And like you say, then you can bring yourself out of that. Okay, so I want to talk about big picture or detail uh, when you are starting a project side hustle or want to make something where do you focus like do ideas come to you in minutiae or in big picture what's the preference for you it's it's you know this is a gary v classic where it's it's kind of both it has to be both 
Um, but I'm trying to go more big picture because my biggest problem is overthinking. Um, you know, on a fine detail level, um, everything changes so radically once you get going. And spending that time, you know, debating things that probably don't matter, is just, it's just a waste of energy. So um, I want to say I want to be more big picture, um, but it's like you can't aim, you know, what your, what your product's going to do in 10 years. That's impossible. That's You just don't know that. Um, but yeah, so it's a bit of both. I would say that you, as soon as you launch, um, it will turn into something else. Let's, let's think of Netflix. Let's think of YouTube. These guys had no ideas, and this is what they thought the next bigger thing would be. Um, so my biggest advice on this is would be you just got to get that out there as light as possible because everything mm. changes as, as soon as it's in public. So why are you why are you spending time on something that's probably going to change? Yeah, a friend of mine likes to say plans are irrelevant, but planning is imperative. <laughs> Ultimately, the plan doesn't matter, right? The detail doesn't matter because it's that Mike Tyson quote, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And you will get punched in the face. Like unequivocally, you launch something and your first customer is going to punch you in the face and go, hold on, that's not how I want to use this. Especially in tech, you think you know how people are going to use your product. You put it out there and it's not how they're going to use it. It's going to be something so different. different. Why I say to people, you know, done is better than perfect. That old, that saying in the tech world, just get it done and get it out there. It's never going to be perfect. Just keep iterating. When, when you start something new, do you have a very clear idea of what success is going to look like for this thing? Do you define success up front or do you just build? So, you know, everything that I'm doing now at this point in my life, I, I always question how much freedom it's going to take out of my day. Um, it's, it's quite difficult to green light anything that's going to take a lot of freedom if it's not actually going to, um, you know, rise all my other projects at the same time. So everything that I, I green light now, I must use myself um, in some way. I'm building absolutely nothing to make a quick buck. Everything I'm doing is, is sort of, it's sort of related to, you know, either landing pages, design, development. It's just the space I'm in, the headspace I'm in. So let's use some context for people listening is that, you know, I've got something coming out called uh, Checklist App. Okay. It's, a, it's an interactive app where you can go online and you can create a quick checklist. And the idea of this is to strengthen other people's products and services. So if you have a um, support article to go through all the steps to, you know, troubleshoot something at the bottom, I want you to be able to embed this checklist where you can just recap everything and you can go through it. And then the progress bar goes um, as you start ticking. Oh. Super light. So we got the domain chl.st. I can speak hours about the checklist, but on just a macro here is that I use the checklist app that we've built now, me and my friend Calvin, is that I use that in the Hot Tips ebook that I just launched. I wanted to create checklists to accompany the ebook to, to make sure that you've understood the theories behind certain elements and landing pages. So I yeah. have a testimonials checklist. And I could, have, I could have made a PDF document that you could have printed or just you know read. But I was like, you know what, to really strengthen my, my ebook and make it look really cool is that you have an interactive checklist with, with the whole book and the chapters. That's just a great product. And, you know, the yep. same reason, like maybe I didn't need to do an audio book for my ebook, but it just made the whole package super strong and wholesome. So um, I've been sending feedback to people for the last, you know, five years. Uh, someone will DM me and say, dude, please give me some feedback on the landing page or something. And I'll be like, wow, I could write a lot or screenshot or not reply. But what I do is I open it up. I hit record. 
on my little audio notes app and then I you know stop recording and it copies the link to the clipboard and I paste it in the Twitter direct message it takes me three minutes yeah for them it's got so much value for me I didn't write for half an hour so I built this yeah. app called audio notes so these are all the things I'm working on now things that sort of enrich my life uh, make things more productive question was what was the question it was um it was uh, whether you define success up front, but this is actually an interesting yeah, segue. Yeah, so success is if you're using it, um, you know, if it's actually yeah. providing value for other people. Um, so something yeah. that's sort of, that, this is a great example. So I created this site um, or service called G Vouchers. So gift vouchers I created at the beginning of the pandemic. I felt that I couldn't really work on my own stuff. Uh, during this time, it just felt a bit insensitive. And, you know, everyone's got their own reasons. That was just my personal reason. And so I spent all my time building this service where someone could create a gift voucher if they weren't able to operate. Um, they integrated with their PayPal. They took absolutely everything. I took nothing. Um, it was very rewarding for me. But now people aren't buying that many gift vouchers anymore. I, have, I can see the site sales. I can see what's happening. You know, people are operating or they've got different ways they're monetizing online. So that has no use in my life anymore for them, for me, for anyone. So it's an immediate straight to the project graveyard. Um, I'm not going to spend another second on it. You know, it's ba it's backed on WordPress and WordPress get funky and they start, up, you know, updating the system and then my plugins don't work and that's maintenance for me. And that's just time in my day. Again, how much freedom does it take? That must not take a second out of my life anymore while I'm working on stuff that matters. So I want to focus on that point because I know from previous conversations that your definition of success is the freedom to kind of do whatever you want, work on the things that motivate yeah. you. So is that the benchmark that you evaluate everything else on? Like if this project takes away from my freedom in a negative way, I don't do it. Or if this enhances my freedom, I do do it. Like, is that your high level vision, your, your version of success for your life? Yeah. So, so two things there is that, you know, if you create something that creates a ridiculous amount of passive income and, you know, you have unlimited freedom, I, I personally feel that I'd probably overthink things to death at that point. Like what's the point of anything? And I don't know. I don't know if that would be healthy for me. So it's not like I'm try. I'm not trying to make a lot of money. It's like, I'm just focusing where my motivation is. Money is sort of a bonus right now. I already make more money than my Cape Town expenses through my projects. So what more do I really need? You know, do I want to travel first class to Portugal when I go there? Hmm. You know, it's like, yo, yeah. what are your goals? So, but, you know, I'm going to use context again for the lesson is that I'm thinking of starting a, a landing page digest newsletter. Okay. So landing okay. page is is sort of my thing right now. It's, it's complementing everything I'm doing. And I'm considering doing a free digest every two weeks or doing a premium one where people are paying. And I've been bashing my head against the wall so much on both because if it is premium, it's going to create more pressure on my content. I feel I cannot skip a week if you're promising people this and that's going to take away my freedom. But at the same time, forcing yourself to do a consistent newsletter in a premium space and increasing your subscription income over time. It's a very good long-term goal. Um, yeah. You know, so there's so many elements that go into this, but again, freedom, I'm leaning on creating a free newsletter, um, get more people consuming my landing page content. I've got the course and the ebook and all my other things that I'm working on that I can sort of promote. And this newsletter should um, 
you know, strength in everything I'm doing. But at the same time, if it's mm. free, I can take off a week of the schedule and I won't feel as bad. Yeah. Um, there's not as much pressure. You know, would you rather have, you know, 10,000 people subscribe to a free newsletter and you and it promotes everything you're doing or having 100 people? And I don't know the answer. You know, a lot of people will argue on the one side and the other people argue on the other side. But for me right now, the pressure of a premium with what, everything I'm building along with my landing page course is the decider, if that made sense. I think it does. And I think the really interesting observation here and the thing that I think a lot of people will call bullshit on, but I'm going to reinforce is it sounds like in hindsight, you're looking back and going, oh, I had all these thoughts, but actually you haven't built this yet. And you're thinking very clearly about the impact on your time, the impact on your day, the impact on your financial outcomes, your mental states. This isn't something you are diving in head first without thinking clearly about. And I think it's a big misunderstanding about makers and entrepreneurs and side hustlers is that we are very risky people, but we're not. We're calculatedly so. Like I take very calculated, cautious risks. I risk more than the average person, but I'm not just throwing money at some random dude who linked in me about a forex option. Like there's mm. careful thought here. And I think I want to double down on this is, and actually tell people that you aren't willy-nilly starting a newsletter because you know that there's ramifications down the line for your time. Totally. So so again, here's, um, I think this was from Gary Vee's Crush It, is that you know if you can freestyle, I think it was 50 article topics um you know off the top of your head it's like you really know this niche so much and that's like a green light to go and dive in but if you if you're like mm. hey you know what i'm gonna really get into building crafts and i'm gonna try and make it my full-time job and take the leap but you're like, okay cool come up with 50 headlines and you can come up with five that's a red flag so for me as yeah. well to green light a newsletter and every single newsletter i actually want to add some advice like a lesson with every mm -hmm. cent and, you know, I just did a hundred lessons in a hundred days. Um, and that for me helps green light this next idea. So everything I've done in my past journey sort of adds to this decision. But at the same time, if I can't sort of draft 10 really good lessons that I'm going to have in this digest, I shouldn't green light it because it's going to be too difficult for me. It's going to be a bit of a chore. Um, you know, with one page yeah. love, um, you know, my niche uh, to do with single page websites and landing pages, you know, I'm, I've got a course coming up and I promise you, I can, I can freestyle the whole course right now sitting here. Like I feel I could do it, but in a scrappy way and in and, and a not, um, it's not all beautifully laid out how I want to present it, but I feel like I know mm. it well enough. And that's a good reason to green light a course. Like, Hey, should I do an online course? Well, how well do you know the content? Um, so yeah, with the newsletter, I feel like the digest, I'm considering if it's the next thing I do and I can probably freestyle 10 issues right now in a sitting. Um, yeah. And that's a good reason. It's going to it's gonna allow it an easier um, progression into it. Yeah, I can tell you from experience, I do a weekly small to medium-sized enterprise newsletter with Daily Maverick. And mm. that's a new topic every week on SMEs. I'm 30 weeks in. And it's hard, man. 50, yeah, I'm, I, this is my domain. Like I, I've been doing this for 20 years and even 30, I'm still like, oh my God, Wednesday's deadline is coming. I don't oh, have no. a topic for this week. And then you're right, it becomes work. Okay, so I wanted, you mentioned your project graveyard in passing, but it is one of the, my favorite things that you do because I'm a big advocate of failure and learning and reframing this idea of failure. So 
I want to specifically first tell us what the Project Graveyard is. And second, my actual question is, uh, how do you deal with the ego of this Project Graveyard? Because most people, in my experience, the advice that I give, the questions they ask me is, oh my God, what are people going to say when fair? So how do you how do you balance that? So what is Project Graveyard and then how do you cope with all these failures? Cool. So the Project Graveyard for me, um, it serves as two things. It's for me to reflect on my journey because, you know, sometimes I think Adam Wathen says this a lot. So at the end of the year, he's thinking, what did I get done this year? Because you've been so busy head down. You're like, you forget all the small things. So for me, mm. I work online. What have I really done? You know, I, I swear you go there. You know, you've done a lot. But I look at this graveyard and be like, damn, dude. If you're ever feeling imposter syndrome for being able to work on your full projects full time, um, yeah, this is why. You know, you've you've done a lot of things, and yeah, that's definitely for me. But secondly, is I must 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 remind people, and I don't know why I feel like I need to do this, but a lot of people will go, "Hey, Rob, you work on one page live full time. You're so lucky, you know." And I'm like, "Okay, no, no, check it out, dude. This is what I've done, and this is what it took." But at the same time, people are thinking they're these quick wins. I mean, nothing yeah. I've done. I've ne- I've don't have a lot of quick wins, and this is a good reminder. So it's to send people to remind them maybe stay humble, um, focus long term. Um, it's about doing daily work consistently over time. But at the same time, it's like um, you know why? Like like for me, these this is a lot of failures. You know, this is twenty failures. Every single one of them, I thought would probably be maybe I'd be working on it still. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm, I feel like I'm really good headspace when, I, when it's being self-aware and, you know, everything changes online. Your motivation changes online. You know, right now I've been doing one page love for 12 years and I still really enjoy working on it every day. I said really 12 years, 12 years since 2008. Wow. Um, and, and I guess that's something worth celebrating. Um, but it also shows yeah. that I, I don't really believe in the word luck, but maybe, you know, in my online journey, I stumbled upon a niche that my DNA identified with and I, I explored it. I took the risk and I, st- I started working on it more and more and more. And now I got into the stage where I get to work on it every day of my life as a really good feeling. Um, so what about my ego and all these failures? How mm. if they're not failures when they got me to a place where I work on my own stuff full time. Um, and my vo- motivation is high. I would I would even argue if you work on your own thing full time, but you hate what you do, that's not a winning result at all. Yeah. So I- I've identified where my motivation is. I've tried to design my life by uh, eliminating things that I don't like doing. Slowly, slowly, slowly. I love I love this exercise. You create two lists, and the one list is like list all the things you like doing. And on the other list, you list all the things you don't like doing. And then it's like, do more of those and do less of those. Take one at a time. How can, yeah. how can I surf more? So I like surfing. I'm, I deal with this battle all the time. It's like, how can you surf more? Cool. Say no to, to things. Create more time. You know, cool. Focus there. Sold that. And I promise you, the slowly little exercise, you chisel away at designing a life that's motivating. Yeah, it's uh, that's such a simple exercise. It's deceptively simple, actually. And the yep. thing that I'm learning, coaching more and more people on building side hustles and startups is most people don't know what they like. Yeah. They haven't thought about it. They just do whatever comes up. Their lives are reactionary. So, oh, what should we do this weekend? Well, who's invited us somewhere? 
no, no, that's what someone else wants you to do this weekend. What do you want to do this weekend? So it is an interesting exercise. It's why I ask most of my guests about success, because I feel like a lot of people have never thought about what success actually looks like for them. Like yeah. What is your specific definition of success down to the nuanced detail? And for you, freedom is a very high level one, but for you, it's the freedom to do the things on your I like to do list. Yep. That's it. That's well That's said. It. Cheap That's is. Wow. So like, yeah, you know, not every second of every day I, I love, and I feel like that's a mistake people make. Let's, let's use the context of being in a relationship. You know, people feel like the only person I can commit to is someone that ranks 10 out of 10, or, you know, it's not that binary. It's not that we're not aiming for maximum. Um, it's like majority. And, you know, most of my day is just incredible for sure. And you can't have such high lows without um, such high highs without lows. You need that context as well. Um, I guess what's what's what am I trying to say? Like when you have super high highs and really low lows, you have thick bandwidth and and life is rich. But if your life doesn't fluctuate a lot, like I don't want to use the accountant one again, but if if there's not much Do challenge it. in your day, Jeepers, that's a thin <laughs> telecom line on dial-up internet. You know what I mean? And here we are. Yeah. Rich. Yeah. If, if, if you have only lived a life of joy, how do you know yeah. what coming out of despair is? You don't. You don't know. You never know. You, you It's comparatively dull. If you've only had privilege, your life is comparatively dull. Like there is definitely something to be said for this. And it's, it's a super important point that, uh, this book that I'm, that's coming out of mine in February called How to Start a Side Hustle, I had to actually write an intro of the book because the first half of the book has nothing to do with building a side hustle. It has everything to do with constructing a life that can support a side hustle. Because if your life doesn't support it, if you want a bajillion dollars and you're building a side hustle that will never get there, then you will always be disappointed because your success trigger is completely outweighed by the thing you're building. So it's this very fine balance, which actually pushes me quite nicely into what I wanted to ask you next. You mentioned that you've, you've had very few or almost no quick wins of simple wins. Same with me. The thing that I want to ask you is what challenges have you faced that people wouldn't know about when you start stuff? Because we all know the obvious ones, right? It's the work hard, the blah, blah, blah. What are the ones that were unexpected that, that people don't know about? Okay, so you know what? I want to sort of rephrase this to, you know, what, what are the obstacles being while I've been building um, that I, I choose not to talk about? Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to get too deep on this level, but um, I haven't told pretty much anyone this, but, you know, I spent 10 years um, taking my mom to rehab. Um, you know, I would find myself with my brother in the middle of the Karoo um, and this is, you know, during my pra- graveyard, if I had to like carve out this period of 10 years, it was, you know, substantial. And like, I don't mention that stuff. Um, I, you know, through all this, I identified that, you know, I'm still the only one that's going to make this happen. So you can be the victim. You can be like, how did I get here, man? You know, why is this happening to me? And so I find like that story is quite common with a lot of people. Um, very different variations of it. Call it like a sickness, a cancer, a family member, and it sucks. You know, it absolutely sucks. Don't brush it off that it's that it's not difficult. It is, but that was a choice I made. Um, that I'm not going to share that online. I'm not going to be the victim, and I'm not going to allow, yeah. allow it to stop me either. So you know, with starting everything, I feel like you're like cool. I've got this idea. Um, I know what to do, 
and then life just throws you a massive uppercut. Um, call yeah. it like you're, you've just uh, collected a newsletter of a thousand people and then it gets hacked and then every everyone got sent you know a spam message trying to collect credit cards and then you absolutely blacklisted i mean that story yeah. exists so you just keep going keep going so i guess it's where you choose to focus um once you get hit down so you know what happens online when you launch stuff oh man it's such a roller coaster i have so many stories of massive massive lows and failures um, during my um, journey, but I just choose not to spend my time ranting about it online. I mean, the, the biggest one that ever comes to mind was I started a hosting company um, just on the side that, um, you know, every single hey, freelance- Just that like, statement, right? Yeah. I started yeah. a hosting company oh my on God. the side. Just a little yeah, side yeah. hosting company. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I've learned some things. Um, <laughs> so, so I- I would, I had lots of freelance clients and, you know, a lot of them would just go like, Hey, I got this idea. I needed .ca today and um, a little bit of hosting. And I thought to myself, why am I sending all these clients to, you know, hosting provider? Meanwhile, you know exactly why you send them to someone else. And I, st I got a dedicated server with um, HostGator. I think I was paying like $180 a month and I divided mm -hmm. the packages. And then I was charging my clients here like 19 rand a month here, one nine. <laughs> So for everyone listening in America, it's like, you know, $1.20 a month. And <laughs> yeah. it wasn't really to make money, to be fair. It was to provide the service. And then, you know, they were paying me every month. I would, they would still be thinking of, you know, my brand and so on. And um, they would always use me for continuous work. It was more like a good guy approach. Anyway, so I, I got this hosting company up to probably maybe 300 domains and uh, let's say 100 hosting clients. And everyone's using the server. They're using me for email and so on. One of my clients gets hacked badly. Oh. And the, the hacker created a form that they embedded in a web page on my client's site. And it was designed for other hackers to paste in huge, um, <sighs> huge amounts of email addresses and then send out. Because my IP address was legit, super clean, oh, um, you know, shit. curated. You couldn't even sign up yeah. for my hosting. You had to kind of ask me. Um, and I promise you, so they, it sent 250,000 spam emails requesting credit card fraud and all that kind of stuff in an hour, in an hour. So, so if, that, you check, that's it. All over. If, if you check the IP um, address uh, checkers and so on online, it, it, you would enter in my IP address on my dedicated server and it would just be like red. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's 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 X amount of people hitting spam within an hour, just blacklisted the whole oh. thing. Okay. So anyway, so what happens at this point is not one of my hundred clients can send email. Yeah. And that's the end of your life. Right. Yeah. There. That's yeah. the so, end of hosting. Yeah, that's the end of hosting. And that is like, you know, try and phone everyone or text them and saying, Hey, like we're, this is a serious situation. Do you have an alternative email address? You can start emailing your clients with, you know, I, and like, but like you're on damage control completely. So anyway, that's, I mean, you talk about a difficult situation when it came to yo yeah. season one, that was a fucking disaster. That was the easily the lowest point of my life. Probably. That was the worst thing that had happened to you. And now you can look back and it's kind of funny and that's the game. That's, that's the game. That is the game. That's the game I mean, we're playing.
that is the game online where you were charging 19 rand a month and you hit that sort of low. You know, even a good example is that I would be surfing on a Monday morning and I'm trying to design my life for this freedom. And, you know, I get to do what I want when I want. And here I'm on a Monday morning. I've just come out from a surf in Cork Bay. I'm in my wetsuit. I check my phone and someone's trying to phone me, answer the phone. And they're like, hey, my email doesn't work on my BlackBerry. And you're going, <laughs> how did I get here? How did I get here? So yeah, this project graveyard we have here is every single lesson uh, aided to the next yes. one. Um, and it's made me much tougher. So yeah, when I'm when I'm talking about the checklist app and you want to go into subscription income, that hosting failure will aid to the decision of how much I'm going to charge because there's a level to what your time's worth and support. Yeah. I want to jump back. It's something I speak quite passionately about. And I don't want to go into the detail of what you said. It's more the yeah. high level thinking around this. But you mentioned uh, your mom and the issues you've had in your personal life and friends and family. So I, I'm uh, very polarizing in the statement that you don't have to put up with people. I, I cut people out very happily. Um, and it sounds brutal and it sounds like I'm an asshole, but like, that's just the way it is. If people are bad for me, I'm, I've got very clear ideas of the kind of person who makes my life better. And I'm very firm on the fact that just because you've been friends with me for 15 years, doesn't mean you should be friends with me for the next 15 years, because I've changed and you may not have. You might be the asshole who bullied me in high school that I put up with, but now that I'm 36, I don't care. How do you approach the people in your life? Do you put up with this pain and suffering or are you kind of like, no, no more, I'm done, let's move on? Yeah, I mean, a great question. And because it's important, right? Like, it is. It's super it does have important. direct influence on the things you're building. It, it like direct influence. So, you know, yeah. I want to, we're going to answer that properly now. But if you just want to talk about being around people that are motivating, like when you're in a yeah. low building, you need people to be on a high around you. Because if everyone's on a low around you, like you're in a big, you know, pool of sorrow here. Um, Down the so, spiral. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's just one example. But when it comes to people that um, are maybe a bad influence, you know, like let's think of old friends I used to play pool with and, you know, drink beers and weeknights. And you just knew that that wasn't going to create the life that I want. Um, so it's just, you know, there's our list again. I mean, this sounds hard, but, you know, less of that, um, you know, more probably go to more meetups that involve indie hackers. And you yeah. ask yourself if you're spending two hours um, doing the one every week and then you're doing that one once a month. Are you really like, um, you know, backing up what you say about life? I like so, to say action dictates intent. So your intention go. is to be a rich person and to be wealthy and stable, but your actions are you shooting pool with some low lives every Saturday, spending five hours on the weekend. Your actions dictate your intent. Exactly. But um, I need to throw in for the discussion is that there's a lot of value with stepping away from what we do as well. And okay. I have a, you know, an, a network of friends that, you know, have nothing to do with tech. And, you know, we go bird watching, we go surfing, and that has massive value to me as well. So if I'm, yeah. you know, shooting the pool on a Saturday versus actually getting outside and getting away from um, tech mm -hmm. and, um, you know, really resetting, um, experience nature, you know, a lot of, you know, I talk about creativity, you know, what makes me creative is, is being offline, being in nature and so on. So yeah. yeah, it's about balancing these people. Um, and it's interesting because you say, is it selfish that I'm actually using every one of them for my own benefits? Um, you could go that deep level yeah. and saying, um, no, I'm not, you know, it's like, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but if I'm getting zero out of this, 
it needs it needs to go away. Well, and even more specifically, I think those net zero relationships are manageable. Yeah. It's the net negatives that people mistake. And more often than not, from family that you don't believe you can leave. I've got multiple family members who refuse to speak to me because they think I'm too much of an asshole. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. If you think I'm an asshole, it's because I am an asshole to you. That's what's happened. It's so that you can leave me alone. I like to tell people <laughs> that you have to surround yourself with the people you want to be like. Because yeah. you know that you know that old saying, you are the average of the five people you hang out with? I yep. don't think that's true. I think you are the average of the worst parts of the five people you spend the most time with. Wow. Because you pick up their worst habits. So look at the people around you and go, okay, and you know Dave Peril. The mm. worst thing I can think about Dave is that he's stubborn. Fuck, fine. If that's the worst thing I pick up from Dave, I'm happy. There's so many friends that I think the worst part of them is they're, they're too ambitious. Okay, cool. But if they're a little bit racist, no, thank you. That's no, the worst part of them. I'm going to pick that up over time. Do you know what I mean? Like people yeah. think, oh, I must only go for the best. No, the worst parts are the ones that worry me. So I'm very vicious with who I surround myself with because they drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. You know what, to, to just further this um, this thinking is that, you know, online, so this is about choosing our time, you know, and who we, who we spend time with. So, you know, when I was younger, I used to play a bit of games, you know, I, I was really into Nintendo as I think everyone was when they were younger. And then I eventually went to, um, what was it? Uh, the next one was PlayStation and so on. Anyway, so I got to the point where I knew online was was where I wanted to hang out. But I, I could see that spending too much online is a dangerous thing. You you can't. So surfing has been my savior in the sense that, you know, I always want to surf. I'm always drawn to surfing. I'm in the sea and it's a, like a proper reset in nature. It's amazing. That's So now I, I started to, you know, watch Premier League games, football games. And I used hanging out with friends at pubs and so on. We watch the games. But I'm mean, talking like 11 games a week. And I, I could identify I was going down this road. I was playing fantasy football. Mm -hmm. Um I was like quite involved in choosing my team online. I would like catch all the news and I found yeah. myself spending. And then I, I said, Rob, how many hours a week are you spending on Premier League? And how many hours a week are you spending surfing? Okay. Same discussion when it came to gaming, you know, so I wasn't really yeah. gaming at this point, but I could see, you know, everyone, you know, see all these online stuff happening on the game world. And you're like, I'm quite interested in that. Um, mm -hmm. that looks cool. Should I try it? I don't even attempt gaming in my life because I'm too scared. Yeah. I'm going to be addicted to it. So here I am doing 12 hours online. It's, I fucking love most of it. Um, and am I going to play two hours of gaming after this? Absolutely no ways for me. Um, especially yeah. since I didn't surf in this 12 hour day. So for me, it's about this, yeah. the conscious juggling of where my time lies. So you say, um, out with gaming, out with premier league, like, gone here yeah? like done and i i mean i was supporting arsenal when i was younger and so on but anyway in with surfing yeah. in with birding and guess what there's your list again and your life macro is richer and better yeah and again it's the conscious choices that i don't think a lot of people are making a lot of this the life that we live is reactionary oh i've always and for me it was everton when i was a young young kid all the way up till 16 17 then it was rugby and i watched your 11 Premier League games was my seven or eight hours on the weekend watching from 10 in the morning till 10 at night. Wow. And when I moved to Cape Town 12 years ago, I thought, I don't care about the sports ball. I don't care. I don't care who wins. I have no impact, but it fucks my mood up. If my team loses, this is insane. Yeah. And then it was gone. And I freed up literally eight hours a weekend to do whatever I wanted. 
And just to layer onto that, something I say a lot to people is oftentimes they try and pivot completely away from what they're good at or just double down and never go into anything different. And I like what you're saying about go surfing, go bird watching, have different friends, because I believe it's the smashing together of unexpected things that make us more interesting and diverse. Yes. If you were to only hang out with other designers who only love one page love, you'd not really learn anything different. No, you'd continually learn the same echo chamber of shit. Yeah, I think it was Mark Forrester. He was saying that if we all consumed the exact same content, the output would be the same. Um, and yeah. what makes me unique, it's probably just the mesh of absolutely everything I've done. I'm talking about even going into the desert and doing rehab for mom. It's the, yeah. that made me tough. Yeah. It's the bird watching. It's the traveling. It's just layers. Yeah, layers. And that's that's how you create a rich life. 100% agree. Okay. Um, what one thing has happened to you that you would never want to repeat, but you are grateful for happening? I mean, that, I, can we say that hosting thing? It's like that made yeah, me so, yeah, so tough. That is, I, I would never <laughs> wish that on my worst enemy. And, <laughs> and I promise you, it made me so tough. And every decision is probably better um, that I've made since that day. I mean, that was, awesome. uh, it's so, so heavy. Wow. Yeah, I feel that. I've, I've had those too. Okay, Rob, uh, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? Where can they buy from you? The floor is yours. Tell my listeners where, where you are. Cool, Nick. So I am robhope.com. That's where I'm trying to blog more, trying to share more of my journey, just give back. You know, we talked about the Project Graveyard and, you know, I'm grateful for a lot of makers out there that have failed in public um, and shared their post-mortems. I, I, I want to do the same. Um, you know, you know, this space we're in is interesting when it comes to working in public and transparency where, you know, people flex numbers hard. Um, you know, I really appreciate indie hackers and, you know, people are sharing their numbers when it comes to starting off. And that's very motivational for me. Um, but I want to share like sort of problems and solutions. Like I dealt with this problem trying to grow or just get users or so on. And this is the solution, but also at the same time, this is where my expectations were and this is sort of what happened. So I'm going to try and change the narrative of my, my blog to have a lot of value on robhope.com. Rob Hope on Twitter. And yeah, I guess next for me right now, I'm dabbling on a lot of things to do with landing pages. Yeah. And if you want to probably consume something rad that i've made uh, recently is uh, onepagelove.com forward slash hundred and you can get a hundred emails in a hundred days completely free just with good land is that the number tips. 100 100 it's the number i should actually um set up both of you them should do both yeah yeah for the radio <laughs> test thank you for listening to the curious cult show i am your host nick haralambus you can find me at nickharalambus.com you can subscribe to this podcast on all major podcasting platforms this podcast was edited by becky layton and hosted by yours truly 